Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Ethan Linden, and today the Daily Daf that we are doing differently is Psachim Memtet 49, Masechet Psachim. There's a lot of great stuff on the Daf today, but I would like to focus on a couple of rather extreme statements uh, that the rabbis make about Am Haaretz. Am Haaretz literally means the, the the people of the land, the person of the land, Ameha Aretz, the people of the land. And it it really sort of seems to mean somebody who is not a Haver, somebody who is not part of the rabbinic group, somebody who is perhaps unschooled, somebody who is perhaps, uh, as uh, one translation has it, an ignoramus, which is a word that, that frankly we don't use nearly enough anymore, ignoramus. But the, the Ameha Aretz, the... the non-scholar, is all over rabbinic literature and often used as a foil for the chaver, for the person who is a member of this sort of rabbinic clique. And generally speaking, the Ameh Haaretz, these people are not well regarded. They, generally speaking, are considered people who we need to be suspicious of in various ways. We, We saw this conversation back in uh, Eruvin, some of you may remember, and in other places as well. But rarely do we see the sort of extremity that we see in today's daf regarding the the negative feelings towards the Am Haaretz. And this all begins with a conversation of who one should marry. And the rabbis say at the bottom there of 49 Aleph that you should try to marry the daughter of a Tamid Hacham. You should try to marry the daughter of a scholar because um, when you do that, you are, as the, as the Gemara says, you're grafting um, w- the grapes of a vine with the grapes of another vine. That is, the, the, the relationship will work. It makes sense. But if you marry, and here's where the switch comes into talking about Am Haaretz, if you marry the daughter of an Am Haaretz, that's like grafting... Uh, grapes onto a thorn bush, which, as the, as the Gemara says at the very, very top of uh, 49 Bet, it's just, it doesn't work. It's not acceptable. It doesn't uh, make sense. And then the rabbis at the top of 49 Bet have this Baraita, which talks about who you should, who you should try to marry. And, of course, the very first thing to try to marry is the daughter of a scholar, a tamid hacham. Now, clearly, these are the scholars that are writing this advice, so it's, it's a little bit self-serving. But since the advice columnist gets to decide what the advice is, I guess it's fair. And they go through and say, look, if you can't find the daughter of a scholar, then Nebuch, you know, you can, you can marry the daughter of a Gedol Hador, someone who's the, a great person of the generation. And if that doesn't work, and they go through a whole list. And, but at the bottom they say, and if you can't find any of these kind of moderately acceptable matches, 
Here's what you should not do. Velo yisa bat aretz. But do not marry. Do not marry the daughter of an am haaretz, says the Gemara, because they are terrible and they are like vermin and they're awful, which is the kind of language, frankly, that you often hear about the women who are not Jewish in our tradition. There are definitely places, starting in the Bible, where women who were not Israelite or then later not Jewish were considered problematic or licentious. Um, but here we get that language about uh, the daughter of an Am Haaretz, and of course these people are, are Jewish. And uh, that sort of ugly language, which is usually reserved for people outside of the Jewish community in the Gemara, now all of a sudden is applied to the daughters of Am Haaretz and to the, the entire class of people, which is perhaps why it should be less surprising that we get a really amazing statement just a few lines later. Amar Rabbi El Azar. Uh, Rabbi El Azar says, Am Haaretz mutar lenocharo biyom ha-kipurim So when I first read that, I translated it literally, and it translates as, Rabbi El Azar says, you can stab in Am Haaretz on Yom Kippur that falls on Shabbat. And I thought to myself, that can't possibly be what he is saying. I must have gotten the translation wrong, but I looked around, and in fact, that is what Rabbi Elazar is saying. You can stab an Amaretz on Yom Kippur that falls on Shabbat. Now, the, the, the conversation that follows makes it clear that this is a hyperbolic statement that's meant to be uh, humorous, perhaps, because then his students come and say to him, well, are we allowed to slaughter him ritually? And he says to them, no, no, you can't do that because that would require a bracha, but if you stab somebody, you don't need to say a bracha. And this clearly makes it seem as though the statement is meant to be uh, in jest as opposed to stating a halachic principle. And in fact, when I looked up the translation in the Sencino, just to make sure I wasn't crazy, I found one of the great Sencino footnotes of all time. The footnote on this conversation says, these and the following dicta show that a strong antipathy existed between the scholar and the Am Haaretz. That seems to me like an understatement, by the way. And then it goes on, nevertheless, it is perfectly obvious that a statement like the present one is merely humorous and no more than a jus d'esprit, and many others must be similarly understood. So it's meant to be kind of humorous and just sort of one group joking about another or talking them down. But, you know, the thing that follows that Rabbi Elazar says next doesn't sound to me like it's meant to be humorous, but rather sounds to me like it's meant to be true. He says that when you're on the road, you really shouldn't join in a company with an Am Haaretz because they don't care enough about their lives and they certainly won't care about your life. That sounds to me like a warning. That sounds to me like a general statement that we should be aware of. But then, of course, what follows that is something that seems also kind of odd. Rabbi Shmuel Nachmani says in Rabbi Yochanan's name that you can tear an Am Haaretz like a fish, which, again, just sounds like the kind of hyperbolic statement that we saw before. And then in the midst of all of this kind of trash-talking, which is pretty much what it is, we get a really interesting moment. 
Because here comes Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva says, Kshaiti Am Haaretz, when I was an Am Haaretz, and you think for a second that what we're going to get here is some empathy, some understanding. Maybe he's going to say, when I was an Am Haaretz, I cared about my life, whatever it is. It's a reminder, that first couple of words, Kshaiti Am Haaretz, when I was an Am Haaretz, it's a reminder that some of the people sitting and having this conversation grew up without much schooling or knowledge or in this group of Ameha Aretz, so maybe that's what we're going to get. But instead, Rabbi Akiva says, when I was an Ameha Aretz, if I saw a Tamid Hacham, if I saw a, a great scholar, I would want to beat him up. So you're absolutely right, says Rabbi Akiva, to worry about these people because they hate you, just like we hate them. And then we go on with some other statements, things like, don't marry your daughter to Amharitz. It's like putting your daughter in front of a lion. Um, and that, you know, we get this statement from Rabbi Eliezer. If it wasn't that they needed us for trade, says Rabbi Eliezer, they would kill us all. If it, if it weren't for the fact they need us for their economic well-being, they would kill us. And then, you know, don't study Torah in front of them. Um, and there's this great hatred that they have, says the, uh, says the Gemara. And it's just, it's really quite extraordinary language. And I'm not really sure what to make of it. The, the commentators on the Gemara also aren't sure what to make of it. It's very clear that the, the rule is not that you're allowed to stab in Am Haaretz. That, that just doesn't make any, many, any sense. Um, there's a position that says that if they've lost something, unlike with everybody else, you don't have to proclaim the loss. You don't have to announce the loss. It's really an extraordinary series of statements, and nobody's quite sure what to do with them. Perhaps we should define Am Haaretz in this case differently than we've defined it in other cases. That is, maybe this isn't just people who are unschooled or who aren't part of this uh, chevra, this kind of coalition or clique of rabbis, but are in fact people that are actively trying to harm us. It's not really clear. But we can say that what is clear is that there is a tremendous amount of distrust, at least from the rabbi's side, and they've projected that distrust onto the Ameha Haaretz. Now, scholars of this period are divided over how much power this rabbinic group had and whether or not we should have considered them even any sort of governing group at all. Maybe they were just a small group running around with other small groups. There's a tremendous amount of debate on that topic. But I think just on the level of the text, what we see is that there is, from the rabbi's perspective, a tremendous amount of distrust and anger at these Ameha Aretz and how dangerous they are, and how much we need to keep to ourselves. And what we see in the end is a sort of tribal mentality among the rabbis here, and a concern about the other, even if that other is a Jew, an other who does not accept the Jewish tradition as we accept it. And I think that Rabbi Elazar's uh, uh, statement um, that we can stab somebody should really be taken as a cautionary tale for all of us as we think about those with whom we disagree. Clearly, that goes too far, and clearly there is a sense in which perhaps that sort of language should not even be used, even if it is meant, as the Sensino would have it, as a jus d'esprit, humorous statements. Perhaps it's best that we keep those sorts of statements to ourselves, lest we engender precisely the sort of hatred and anger that the rabbis assume the other group feels about them. I hope that everybody has enjoyed this series of Dapim. I know I have, and I hope to see you and speak with you soon. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently 
and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify. <laughs>